Design the tattered thread by thread. You take the broken and destroy.
grace that taught my heart to fear and grace my fears relieve how precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed my chains are
when we've been there 10,000 years. Can we have the when we've been there 10,000 years?
shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. Does anybody have a testimony of God's grace and love chasing them, maybe from recently that they'd like to share? about a week ago I think I sent out a prayer request for my mom and uh, my mom has been battling something for a really long time and she's been really really dizzy and she has something um, that's really rare and I've just been praying and praying that she would find some comfort somehow and I think I believe I believe it's through your prayers that um, she has been sent to a lot of specialists and they are getting to the bottom of her malady. We're not over yet, but I'm just really, really praising God that at least she's not sitting there 
suffering that the medical community is finally taking taking part and I really believe that that's God's way of healing as well so if you could just continue to pray for my mom it just feels like we're on the beginning of something really big too because her doctor has called her in so if you could just pray life into those blood cells of hers they have discovered she has a very high platelet count so um, if you could just continue to pray life into her and just pray that um, her faith in God would be strengthened. So I, it's, thank you for your prayers, because in a sense it is an answer to prayer. Just pray for her mom right now. God, we speak life into Mrs. Granger's mom's bones, into her blood. That whatever disease or illness this is, um, we speak God's love over it. Perfect love casts out all fear, and it covers everything. Um, we speak truth over her body, um, and also that the truth would come out over what is going on, um, that there would be wisdom into how to deal with it. Chases me down by 
on the promises of God. And that really touched my heart because I've been praying for my family for years. And so far, I haven't seen the results of those prayers coming to pass. But that sermon reignited the promises of God in my heart that me and my house would be saved. And then today as we're singing this song, I'm thinking about God chasing after them, climbing the mountains, leaving the fold and going after that one. And so I just want to, um, I just want to tell you about the faith in my heart that's been reignited. And I want to align myself with the promises of God that me and my house, that's me, my children, my husband, their spouses, and my beautiful 17 grandchildren. I'm declaring before the Lord God in this place that me and my house, all of my children, will come into the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. It is amazing grace that one person can be saved, pulled out of a family of that many people, and I'm the one. And I'm believing the promises of God today. I'm believing that Jesus is going after those ones that I've been praying for. Sing 
Um, I have a quick testimony. I didn't s see much from this, but the other day, last week, God had told me um, that during that day, I would get to pray for some of my piano students. And that day, I got to pray for one of my piano students who was lactose intolerant. And then at, on my next teaching day, I got to pray for one of my piano students' moms. So I'm just, I thought that was really cool, being told that I would do that. And then getting to see that later that day, and again later that week. Um, yeah. And being able to bring Jesus to the people that I'm teaching. morning. How's everyone this morning? Enjoying the, uh, the warm-up, meaning the warm-up outside, not minus 25 wind chill. Normal Alberta weather, the ups and downs. Well, we'll take it. We'll take it. Uh, I was 99, back, back in, in, on Halloween, I think it was, 31st of October, I think I was like 99% sure we'd have a white Christmas. Uh, snow is kicking around still, but who knows, right? With these warmer temperatures, all we can do is hope. Well, it's good to see everyone this morning. And um, just a few announcements before we kind of turn into the Word. And, and I know Ed has a, has, wants to share as well and, and, uh, and bring a little bit of an update. Just want to, uh, to mention, um, if you are... First of all, if uh, you, you've been here a while, uh, or or maybe it's your first time, or you haven't been uh, here in a while, that we, we do have uh, uh, some welcome cards, and hopefully you receive one if you haven't been here for a while. Um, just to just to let us know that you're that you were here today, and uh, we want want to be able to follow up and and just uh, extend an appreciation uh, for you joining us today. And uh, it was great to see some new faces uh, last week, and a uh, great time. Uh, around the table uh, with our potluck and uh, just a great Sunday last Sunday. Um, just a few announcements. want to mention, of course, uh, next Sunday, uh, Sunday, December the 17th, is going to be our family Sunday. And uh, as you can see, it's a gift bag Christmas pageant. Now, um, from my understanding, it's going to be fun and spontaneous, and, and, uh, but it's going to be a great time. So um, we want to make that family-friendly, so bring the kids, the grandkids, bring everyone out. Uh, that's going to be a great time. Also, uh, just kind of looking ahead to December the 24th, uh, we have put out some questionnaires just to get a little bit of an idea of uh, preference, and uh, we're going to make a final decision on that on Tuesday. So if you could fill out the questionnaire and uh, put that in the, in the offering plate when it comes around, that would be greatly appreciate it. And as you'll also notice, uh, another insert, uh, some performance times coming up on the, uh, on the program that the Alliance Church has put together on uh, Wednesday, December 13th, Friday, December 15th, and on the 17th on Sunday at 3 p.m. So 7, 7, and 3 p.m. on those three dates. And the title of the production 
is how to have the best Christmas ever. So, the admission is free. Donations uh, will be received uh, for the food bank. So I don't want to take too much more time. I think most all the announcements really are in the bulletin. But uh, Ed has a little, a little something he wants to share as well this morning. Praise the Lord. I just want to start off by saying I had some a number of people approach me and Cheryl and thank us for the uh, the pot blessing, the feast we had last Sunday. But you know what? Thanks to everybody here for not only bringing the food, but I don't know if you noticed, but I sure noticed is when it was time, people rushed over there, start setting all the food out and everything, and then uh, at the culmination of it, they were rushed into the kitchen. Everybody was doing dishes and pots and pans, and it was like was like family it was like being in your home and everybody pitching in and grabbing something and doing something and so all of you bless you it was a success and we hope to and we need to change that name from potluck to feast i'm just thinking we need to change it to feast pastor when we have it we'll have a feast amen uh i haven't gotten to the real announcement yet <laughs> pastor's intelligence i just want to thank sandy and uh whoever her helpers were for setting up all these festive uh, Christmas decorations. It's just, it's really beautiful. Thank you. We can give them a clap offering. Also, uh, Frank and Diane for setting up the nativity scene here. What a beautiful piece of work and placing all the lights and everything. Thank you so much. God bless you. Well, why should I stop there? Thank you to the music ministry for helping us to enter into a place of worship and, and uh, uh, you do that every Sunday and we're not always uh, uh, expressing that vocally but we are today and so thanks music ministry for everything that you do up in the sound booth all the sacrifices the time that these people put in uh, practicing rehearsing and setting up songs and praying about it you know it's really appreciated it's part of what God is doing in our family so amen um, what I wanted to talk about real quick was uh, we've been associated with a, a church in Tarasha for the last 11 years in uh, Ukraine, and some of us have been there uh, several times on mission trips. And uh, it's our custom to bless the pastor and his church over there every Christmas, although their Christmas is Orthodox, and it's not till January 7th, so we have a little bit of time. So if you're uh, thinking about them, please... Lift them up in your prayers, and uh, what we'll do is, uh, I'm not sure, over the next couple of Sundays before the 7th, we'll have some little video presentation or something to give you some idea what's happening over there in the Ukraine. As you know, they've been under a lot of pressure, especially uh, with the Russian incursion, and uh, one of the youth pastors, he goes on a regular pilgrimage over to the southeastern part of the Ukraine to minister to people in the war zone there. So they're doing good work. They're spreading the gospel. And Jesus is being lifted up high. And I know we were blessed uh, when we were over there as uh, missionaries to just experience the love of God moving in a very hungry people. And, uh, and so we just think about that. And um, if you want to make a, a small donation or whatever, or a large donation, you can put cash or a check into an envelope. And just put Pastor Dennis on there. And uh, you can either give it to Cheryl directly or put it in the offering, and they'll get it to her. And she's got a, a separate account for that, and she'll make out a check, and we'll announce it all that when we send them the money. Usually I wire them through uh, Western Union and stuff, so they go to the 
place to get that money. And now, with your indulgence, Pastor, one more small thing. You know, I just felt it on my heart, and I just think it was appropriate that uh, it started to unfold that way here during the worship. But you know, our family is a family that's been under attack by the enemy. And the pastor has preached this before. He says, we come from a position of victory, not defeat, but victory. And I know that in our house in the last uh, season, the short season, I've been praying specifically in the morning, reminding God of his promises in his word, appropriating those promises and saying, Father, you promised this. And we have a heavenly Father who knows all things, can do all things, who has said all things, who has put every nothing that has ever been created has been without his knowledge or allowance, so to speak. And you know what? Uh, we need to remember and rally around each other as a family. Have you heard some testimonies here? But, uh, you know, sometimes in a family, warriors get beaten down. We're at the front line. We're battling the enemy, but we get nicks and cuts and wounds. And we need a rest, and we need a bandage, and we need love, and we need support. We need encouragement. And, you know, I know on my heart, Sister Chelsea and her family are under attack right now. And we need to rally together as an army of God and support her. And I want to ask you if we could get Lincoln and Penny to come up front and some of us could come and lay hands on them. And we, I know what we're lifting Chelsea and her family up in prayer, but I just feel really strongly that if they could come up, we could lay hands and pray on them. When they go to see Chelsea today or whatever, that that can be imparted through them. you believe in that? I believe in that. I've seen it happen. I've experienced it in my own life. And so Chelsea... Uh, actually, if you're going to bring the kids, that's fine, too. Pop up on here. I don't want to take away from the pastors. Is this okay, pastor? Do I have your grace? Unmerited favor? <laughs> you know, I shared one time about how powerful grace is. I saw an angel, and I fell to my knees, and I, I had the audacity to ask the angel his name, and he said his name was Grace, and he was a huge angel. That's the grace of God for us. So can we get some people to come up? We don't have to pray anything fancy. We have a Father in heaven who knows the need, who's quite aware of what has to happen and what has to take place. But I just want to say this is a public statement as a family of God getting together to release through the Spirit that which our Father would do for them, for that family. And it, it's not only them, others in this family as well. If you feel that need, come up here too. We'll lay hands on you. Father, we declare before you that we are your children. Lord, you have given us authority under your name, Lord. Father, we come as a pastor preached from a position of victory, not defeat. For it was purchased on Calvary, and then you have given to us the power and the ability and the grace and the mercy and the promises of your word, Lord, which are many. And so we remind you of your word today, Father that you would not have your children suffering and begging, Lord, and going through these trials. Father, that you are there with us always. We know that. So, Father, I just pray now, as we lift up Chelsea and her family and others who are in need at this time, O oh God, we are there to support them. And, Father, I remind you that you are their heavenly Father. You care for them. You love them. And, Father, your heart is for them. And you are a good God. And, Father, we come before you and we say, see what the enemy has done. To our children, to our children, your children, to our family, Lord. 
See what the enemy has done, Lord. Will you not prevail over them and strike them down, O God, that every plan of the enemy, every device of the enemy would be rendered void and of none effect against them in the name of Jesus. And we speak forth that healing power through uh, Lincoln and Penny by your word that they, as they lay hands on that family, Lord, that the enemy would be cast out from them, Lord, that darkness would be dispelled by light, that the power of the living God would be manifest. The Father who cares for his children would be manifest in their lives. They would be healed and delivered, O oh God, set free. And Lord, more than that, Lord, they would be empowered, O oh God. They would be empowered, O oh God. They would be filled, over, filling, overflowing to whatever the need is in that family right now in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I, we just, we, uh, we extend that to anyone who's in that circumstance in this family, Lord. Lord, you look at us. You gave us life. You gave us breath. You called us. You love us. You said your love is primary in our lives, and you gave your Son on the cross for us, O oh God. And you filled us with your Spirit, O oh God. And you give us your word, O oh God, that says, say this and this and amen and amen, Lord, and it shall be so. Lord, we call you and we call upon you, Lord, to look at your promises today and to move your hand that it would be extended today in healing and deliverance, miracles and wonders, Lord, that the name of Jesus would be lifted up, that faith would be strengthened and encouragement would come forth. And Lord, we stand from a position of victory. We stand from a position of the glory of God that is manifest through us in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah, Lord. We give you all of the glory, Lord. Thank you, Father. Amen. Does anybody want to? I was uh, I was just watching a a, a video clip that um, Ken um, Ken Mraz had sent like a year ago, rewatching it, and um, and when God has um, a call on somebody's life, you know, and a purpose, we can pray that that purpose the enemy might resist that purpose. Um, but we can pray that um, lift on the basis of the call that God has on their lives, we can lift them to the courts of heaven and ask God to, uh, to give them freedom and uh, release from the adversary, from the attack of the adversary. And um, so just in that, um, in that light, uh, Father, we, we thank you for Albert and Chelsea. We thank you for Alexander. Benjamin, Christopher, Darylin, and Evelyn Joy. And Father, we thank you for the purpose you have for this family. Father, you've called them to be light and, uh, and to represent you in this community and wherever you ask them to go. Father, we thank you for healing them. We thank you for equipping them and releasing them to be the light that you want them to be. In the name of Jesus, we give thanks. Never, never a bad thing to, to, to pray, right? One for another. You're welcome. Never bad to do that. Never bad to carry one another's burdens. That's, that's what church is all about, right? It's all about fellowship. It's all about family. 
It's all about our relationship with God and our relationship with one another. So it's never a bad thing to stop and pray one for another. Because that's what church is all about. So thank you, uh, thank you, Ed, for being sensitive to that and just uh, calling us to, to intercede and pray and lift up our, our family members in the time of need. Because we know we serve a God who is gracious, He's compassionate, He's merciful, He's all-powerful, He cares about every need that we have, and uh, it, it doesn't matter how great we think it is or how small we think it is, He, he cares about everything. And so it's great that we have that resource, we have the resources of heaven. Isn't that amazing that we have the resources of heaven at our disposal? When you're, when you're short, you know, and you think you don't have, you just think you got the resources of heaven on your side. Praise God. We need to be reminded. I need to be reminded of that. Just to let you know that there's times when I'm preaching and, it, and it's probably blessing me maybe more than it's blessing you. So uh, at this moment, we're going uh, to bless the Lord. And uh, as, we, uh, as we receive our, our, our morning tithe and offering, as we give to the Lord a portion to uh, what he's blessed us with, in obedience to his word. How many understand this morning that when we give, we, we, uh, we, we also receive a blessing in return. And uh, God honors our obedience and our faith in him. When we give, we also are exercising faith. Did you know that? That uh, he will take the uh, 90% percent you will stretch it right out. And I think it's a better deal than even the government gives you, by the way. Amen? Amen. So this morning, as, uh, as we receive today's offering... Let's say this together, that we are believing you for heaven open, earth invaded, storehouses unlocked, miracles created, dreams and visions, angelic visitations, declaration, impartation, divine manifestations, anointings, giftings and calls, positions and promotions, provisions and resources to go to the nations, souls and more souls, every generation saved and set free carrying kingdom revival and thank you father that as i join my value system to yours you will shower favor blessing and increase upon me so i may have more than enough to co-labor with heaven to see jesus get his full reward hallelujah amen amen if you have your Bible this morning, if we could just turn into Luke's Gospel, chapter 2, for a few moments. Luke's Gospel, chapter 2. And I just want to talk about making room this morning. I trust that this will be something that uh, it may not be... It, you, you, may, you may get new stuff. I guess the slide isn't there yet, but that's okay. Our media guy is taking care of it. We know he's, he's a reliable guy up there. There we go, making room. Here we have a really wide, what do you call them? Them bulbs you put on the tree. I think that's what they look like. So if you get your Bible or you've got a, a cell phone or whatever you use for your Bible when you come to church, uh, we're just going to look into Luke 2 in a couple of moments here. But there was a story uh, of, of a lady and her son and they were out Christmas shopping one time. And uh, it was getting close to Christmas. They, it was the hustle and bustle. And the mom was really frazzled because of lack of time. And so she's going around trying to hit the stores and she's carrying the bags and she's in a real hot hurry. And all of a sudden, her son sticks his nose up against a 
frosty window on a storefront, and he says to his mom, Hey, Mom, look! Look, there's baby Jesus in the hay! To which she turns to her son and says, grabs him by the hand and says, We don't have time for that. We don't have time for that. And off they went, continuing their Christmas shopping. Isn't it interesting that Christmas, the Christmas season... We all experience the hustle and bustle. How many would agree with that this morning? The hustle and bustle, the commercialism. And there's a lot of people today, in fact, that is, seems to be the sentiment of the majority of people in our society today. As Barna did a poll, a survey, and it found that only about 37% of adults believe that the birth of Jesus, Jesus in the hay, as the little guy was trying to bring his, to his mom's attention. Only about 37%. And in fact, it's even worse when it comes to those who are 18 to 34 years of age, where only about 26% believe that the birth of Jesus is the most important thing about Christmas. That's strange. It seems that Christ is being crowded out more and more all the time. And if we were to do a survey here this morning, what would the answer be? I trust that we would know what the answer was, but it's so easy to get distracted. Anybody find that? It is so easy to get distracted. It is so easy to get caught up with the shopping. It's so easy to get caught up with, and I will admit, we have a weakness in our home. We love to watch Christmas movies. We like to watch The Grinch that stole Christmas. Not the not necessarily well, we do watch the new one, but we like the old I, I like the old one especially, the, the cartoon one. The one that's what runs about maybe twenty two minutes. I like Rudolph I, I remember as a kid I just love Rudolph the the, the claymation. Santa Claus is coming to town. I remember when I was a kid, CTV, because we only had one and a half channels. You, some of you remember that when you had one and a half channels, right? You had, you had a clear picture on one, and you had a partial snowstorm in the, on the other, right? You had C, ATV, CTV, whatever, and, and, you, and you had CBC, and you had to get the aerial just right on your TV, and you had to tune it in and all that stuff. And I remember when CTV, and I was waiting for it, they canceled Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Oh, yeah. It was a tragedy when you wait for that all year. For some of us, it's about the turkey. Some of it's about the parties. Some of us, it's about the bonuses or whatever the case might be. But a lot of people, when it comes to the Advent or the Christmas season, that there's a lot of things that compete. Wouldn't you agree? A lot of things that compete for what really should be the most central aspect of Christmas. And so I want us to consider this morning a question. I always ask questions. It kind of sends me on journeys to learn something. How can we make room? Making room. Making room for Jesus at Christmas. I'm going to turn into Luke's gospel, picking up at verse 1 this morning. And we're going to go down through to verse 
to verse 7. And it says, In those days Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. And this was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to his own town to register. And so Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. And he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son, and she wrapped him in cloths, and she placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And we're going to stop right there this morning, and we're just going to ask the Lord's help. Can we do that together? Let's bow our heads and our hearts. Father, we just come one more time just asking for your help, Lord Jesus, that we, as we turn into your word, we are asking that the author this morning, the Holy Spirit who moved upon those who penned the words, who inspired them, that, Lord, you would open up our hearts and understanding today. We pray most important, Lord, you would open up our hearts. You'd open our hearts, Lord Jesus, to hear the truth that you desired for us to hear, and the Lord, not just to know it up here, not just to give mental assent to it, not just to make it something as factual, but, God, that we would endeavor to live by the truth that we learn, that we would apply it to our lives and thereby be changed by it. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Thank you, Elizabeth. I think it was Elizabeth. Did she say Amen? Yeah, she's good at that. She's good at that. There was a uh, family circus cartoon one time, and it featured a little girl, and she was sitting with her little brother on her lap. And the little girl was telling her brother a Christmas story. And here's how the story went. According to the virgin, or to the version of the story, Jesus was born just in time for Christmas. Up in the North Pole, surrounded by eight tiny reindeer and the Virgin Mary. Then Santa Claus showed up with all kinds of toys and stuff and even brought some swaddling clothes. The three wise men and the elves all sang Christmas carols while the little drummer boy and Scrooge helped Joseph to trim the tree. In the meantime, Frosty was out gazing at a star. Kind of a silly story, wouldn't you say? Well, as silly as it sounds, as confusing as... I mean, it's, it sounds like a really jumbled up mess, doesn't it? Right? Jesus was born just in time for Christmas. It's interesting that, uh, you know, we have it right here, and, 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 I'm, and I hope that I don't burst anybody's bubble. But here we have a nativity scene. And uh, this is going to be great, because here's the prop right here. I don't have to set it up, because this is really what we're going to be talking about this morning is a bit about the nativity scene. It's interesting, uh, I was reading an article and I, and I brought it with me just because I wanted to be sure, but it's interesting that uh, Randall Holm, he was a professor of mine, and he said that it was St. Francis of Assisi who was responsible 
for this picture that we have and that we continue to display around Christmas time. Now, don't get me wrong. I believe it's a great thing to do. It's a fantastic thing to do because it's a reminder that it's not just about, you know, snowmen and, and all the other things, but the most important thing, in fact, this is Christmas. Jesus is Christmas, right? He is the reason for the season. There is really no other reason for the season except that we, that we observe the birth of, of Jesus. But it's interesting that when you look at the scene and you look at the scriptures, I don't know about you, but there seems to be some discrepancies with the scene and with the scriptures. It's sort of, again, we've we sort of got a story that's going on here where there just seems to be some characters that seem to be a little bit out of place. And we're going to see that a little bit more. Because if you notice... The account, if you read on, you, you kind of discover that actually the wise men, like what are the wise men actually doing there at this time? It kind of sounds to me like when we read the passages in, in the birth story of Jesus, that really uh, they showed up at a house. They showed up at a house. And in fact, there was a bit of time that got lapsed by the time they came there. Approximately two years. So we got ourselves a little baby wrapped up in the cloths, and you got the wise men that are there. You got the animals. You got the stable. You got all of this um, taking place here. And when we have our Christmas productions and we have children in concerts and so so on, and we have the play that we put on, we always in the play usually have you know them going up to the inn. And they have the grumpy old innkeeper who says, no room in the inn, right? No vacancy here. But it's interesting that, in fact, if you go to Luke, you'll notice that there may not have been a grumpy old innkeeper that turned them away that Christmas, that first Christmas, sending them off into a dark cave, or into a damp, smelly stable. In fact, and I don't claim to be a Greek scholar, by the way. I'm glad that there are those who take the time to do that. But it's interesting that there's a Greek word that is, is used, translated in, in verse 7. But in fact, it's actually translated in Luke twenty-two eleven. That same room, that same word is translated as guest room. And according to Unger's Bible Dictionary, it's all tr- translated guest chamber. And so the idea here is that there was a room, and it was just used uh, to make room for weary travelers to break up the the journey. Now. We are in a house right now, and we're, we're renting a house, and uh, not that there's a lot of spare rooms, but there is a, a room that we, we call it the green room now. It's the green room because it has green carpet. And uh, we call I think it's green, it is green carpet, right? That's what, it make, that's what we call it, the green room. I just want to be sure I got this mental picture proper. Is that true? This is, okay, it's the green room because there's green carpet. Okay, very stylish green carpet. 
And so that's the room where we put our uh, books. We now got, I think, four, three or four bookshelves full of books. And there's a, a desk down there, and the kids like to go down there, and they, and they play their, their game and whatever. But we also have a room where there's a double bed. Right, Grandma? There's a room with a double bed downstairs. And uh, Grandma is occupying that room right now. So I guess if there's a guest room that we could identify in our house, it wouldn't really be the, the green room because that's where Ethan lifts weights, gets buff. But there's a room next, right across the little hallway, and that's where Grandma is right now. And so if someone, if there's some weary traveler all the way from Nova Scotia who's flown five hours and needs a place to stay, they can stay in the guest room. In the guest room. Just to kind of break up her journey, right? I'm not sure where, where she's heading, but she's been breaking up her journey now. But it's a room that we've designated for those who are visiting with us. And can I ask this question this morning? Has Jesus, for us, become more of a visitor in our lives? Is he, because there's a lot of Christians, folk, can, can, I, can I just say this, can you just give me some grace this morning to say there's a lot of Christians who, name the, who say, I follow Jesus, I'm born again. And Jesus is not really a centerpiece in their life. Jesus is more like the visitor that just drops in, that they just have over once in a while. More or less maybe occupying a bit of a spare room, but they never, re never really gets permanent residence in their life. Someone that just shows up, and you've probably heard it before, people who go to church. Well, I go to church. I go to church at Christmas, and I go to church at Easter. Just for a brief visit. What's important this morning is that we don't make him just the unseen guest around the dinner table before we eat our lunch, and so on. But he, be, he is, he is, and he's not even the honored guest necessarily in our house when we're in need. You ever notice that there are sometimes believers will call out to Jesus only in their time of need. Lord, I'm in a bind. Can you come through for me? Stand on the promises only in my time of need. Sometimes Believers do that. Sometimes as far as Jesus gets is to be a slogan on someone's t-shirt. Some cheap cliche. Some people only make room once a week. Once a week. But how many understand that Jesus is not just to be a visitor that's passing through? Would you agree? He's not to be just someone who's passing through. He's not just to be someone who's an acquaintance, but he, the, because otherwise, if that's the case, then our posture toward Jesus is really no different than the rest of the world. Really no different than the rest of the world. You see, the world, the world makes room for him just a little bit. They'll entertain thoughts of him. They'll talk about his moral teaching, perhaps, but they will reject that he is God, that he is deity. They may make a little bit of room when it comes to religion, but not to his narrow way. Even if they, he gets promoted on some television shows or whatever, it's only because it's just beside another thought or another opinion or another philosophy 
or another religion. They make room for him just a little bit, but never really accept him as king of all kings and lord of all lords. So how do we make room? Three, three, three. Notice this, what Luke goes on to say. It says that she wraps him in cloths and places him in a manger. Now the first, so, so I'm going to mention the first point. If you're writing it down, first thing I want you to do, and I know this sounds very, very counterintuitive, but the way that we make room for Jesus is that we make sure we keep him out of the inn or the guest room. Keep him out of the guest room. Sounds counterintuitive, right? Because it sounds like, well, we should have Jesus in. No, no, keep him out. But here's what you do. You make room for him by placing him in your manger. In your manger. Now, what does that mean? Now, when we think of a manger, I mean, here we got the scene, right? And so here it is. This is what we're seeing. And we're thinking of the stable. We're thinking probably, as some other traditions have said, that it wasn't really the stable. It was actually in a cave. But in those days in Palestine, it's interesting that mangers were found in traditional one-room houses. And there was a, a lower level where they would keep the animals... And about 80% of the one room was a raised terrace where the family would cook and eat and live. So very small house, one room house, place where the family were, okay? The place where the family were, were doing their stuff. And then there was the place where they had their mangers and they would keep some of their animals in there. So two levels connected by a short set of stairs. And at night, the family cow donkey, a few sheep, uh, might be brought in in the night. And if they were hungry at night, guess what they could do? They could eat out of the, out of the manger. And in the morning, the animals, they'd be taken outside. They'd be clean and be all ready for the day. But that's very strange to us when we read the scriptures. Because what is unknown to the Western reader is that in a traditional Palestinian home, the mangers are in the living room. What we would consider the living room. So one way that we do keep Jesus, make room for him, is to make sure he's in your living room. It's the manger. Now think about it for a moment. You've got a husband, you've got a wife, you've got kids, you've got the animals, and there's the guest room. In the guest house, you've got some furniture in your in your in your in in that space. Like when we think about our living room, now our living room isn't huge, but we've got a couch, and we've got uh, a TV, and we've got a mantle there. There's even a piano now in the room. And what else would people have? They might you, you've probably got some chairs in your room. That you, the other people when they come in and they sit down. So in in your living room. Uh, and in fact, in our living room right now, and many of you probably have the same thing, you, you've probably got your Christmas tree up by now. Would, would that be right? Who hasn't got their Christmas tree up right now? I see ooh, more people than I thought. Wow. I guess you guys got to get busy. You know, your Christmas tree. 
And so you've got Mary and Joseph now. So you've got this family now, probably relatives or friends, maybe that they knew. And they're now in this, in this house. And now you've got all this stuff in your living room and your animals and everything. And, and now you've got Joseph and Mary. And Mary's expecting a baby. Now, what would you do about that? You know what that family did? When Jesus was born, they, they, they decided that it was more important to have Jesus. Now, I'm, I'm kind of using my imagination here for a moment, if you can follow this. You know, maybe they didn't have a lot of space, and so they decided that, you know, so it's okay. We'll, we'll move the couch a little further over. You know, we'll rearrange some of the furniture. If the tree needs to go over here, that's okay. If we, if we have the mantle, the TV, or maybe we better get the tools that will mount the TV. Because we got a 49 one, 49 inch. And the idea here is that they probably rearranged, they made room is what I'm getting at. They, they rearranged things to make sure that Jesus had room in their living room. In other words, in your living room where you do your leisure and you relax and you do all that stuff because you cook and you eat in your kitchen and you use the washroom and it's all fun. But in your living room is where you sort of relax and you sort of do your family things and here what they did is they made sure that Jesus was in the center of their living room. Jesus was put right front and center in their lives. Front and center in their lives. Jesus wasn't an afterthought. In this case, Santa wasn't stealing the scene. It wasn't about the parties or the shop until you drop. Because it's interesting that in our society there will be those who are more concerned with going to the mall and seeking after what the mall can offer than seeking out the manger. There are those who tend to follow the sales rather than keep their eyes fixed on the star. And we kneel to open our Christmas gifts rather than to worship the King of all kings. But in case of that, in the case of that family, that family made room. They made room. They rearranged everything in their living room so that their lives revolved around the baby in the manger. No, he wasn't just treated as a guest passing through. He wasn't treated as an afterthought. I don't know about you, but, but for those who've had kids in your lives, we've had four, have you ever noticed that when a baby comes along, everything changes? Have you ever noticed when a baby arrives, it basically everything now in your life revolves around the baby. Everything. Your schedule is not your own. Because when the baby is hungry, you got to feed the baby. When the baby is wet, you got to change the diapers. Or when they've done number two, mommy passes it all. Right? Here's your turn. Right? And you know what you got in store when mom passes. 
the little one to you. Everything. Sleep. Remember one time someone said, Christian, I think you asked me the question, when do you think we'll ever get a full night's sleep again? And I said, I think maybe in about 12 years. It was a long, long, but we still have sleepwalkers, right, Aiden? Who wanders through the house at night, crying out for dad. And, and little one saying, I'm thirsty. I'm thirsty. And you got to go run and get them a drink. Everything changes in your life. Everything. The patterns, the accessories. When you have children, it, it just takes over the whole house. Toys, right? Mountain Dew spilled on the table. All sorts of things like that. It just takes over. But that's okay. But that's okay. How many understand that when Jesus comes into your life, how many know that your patterns of life are supposed to change? When Jesus is born, you might say, when we are reborn, when Jesus comes into our hearts, into our living rooms, the living room of our heart, if I can bring that metaphor, everything is to be rearranged. Jesus isn't just supposed to be on the periphery of the room, of your heart. No, he is to be front and center in everything. Just like when a newborn comes in, when Jesus comes in, your everything changes, your patterns, your thoughts, your schedule. Everything is really supposed to change. And how many know we oftentimes need to be reminded of that? Because we still have our two feet on the ground. We still have distractions. We still have an enemy. Don't we have an enemy, folks? And that enemy tries to keep our eyes off of Christ, keep our eyes fixed on the other things that life has to offer. It's so easy, folks, it's so easy for us to get on the wrong track. There's an enemy trying to, to cause us to have our patterns changed, and it's, and it's not something, he doesn't just come around, folks. The devil doesn't come with a, 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 you know, a glowing neon sign saying, I'm here to deceive you. No. It's subtle. It's subtle. And Jesus reminds us when he says these words, he says to seek first the kingdom of God. And Paul said concerning Christ that he is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning. He's the firstborn from the dead. So that, here's what he says, in everything he may have the supremacy. It means that Jesus... Being at the center of our life, it means that everything we do, everything we think, even our thoughts are to be taken captive to the obedience of Christ. Did you know that? Our thought life, our job, our career, our hobbies, our family, our choices, our motives, our ambitions, everything, the schedule, everything revolves around following Jesus and being his disciple. Jesus said in Luke 9, 23, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. And as I've mentioned before, he becomes the centerpiece of our lives. We live in submission to him. His purposes become our purposes. His plan and blueprint for our lives becomes our plan and blueprint. His commands, his precepts, his principles are the things in which we build our lives, our schedules, 
our schedules, folks. It's so easy for so many things get crammed into our day and we find that we push Jesus into the guest room. And so I asked the question this morning, is Jesus the center of our Christmas right now? Is he the center of our life right now? Is he the center figure in our living room? If you want to make room for Jesus, keep him out of the inn and keep him in, put him in your manger. Keep him out of the inn, put him in your manger. The third thing is this. The third thing is this. Is some people need to know this Christmas season how to, how to have Jesus in their life. Did you know that? You know that we have a great opportunity? Do you, do you know that there's a lot of people going to be decorating their, their houses with lights? There's going to be a lot of people having trees in their houses, and they're going to decorate with lights. And they don't even know why they're decorating. They don't even know why they're putting up the lights. Do you know this morning that Jesus is the light of the world? Jesus is the light of the world. And do you know this, this morning that there will be people who will be shopping and they'll hear on the radio, they'll, they'll hear some bits and pieces. They'll hear some Christmas songs. They'll hear some things about Christ. They'll hear little bits and pieces of these things, even mixed in with the other stuff. It's like Grandma got ran over by a reindeer. I'm glad that hasn't happened. But what a great opportunity that we have during this time, during the Advent season, because there will be a number of people who will be going to church services. They'll be going to Christmas Eve service. They'll be going to Christmas productions. And every Advent season, there's always an opportunity for us as believers to show people the way to the light of the world. In his book, the Jesus I never knew, Philip Yancey, pondered about the first Christmas, and, and here's what he writes. He says, The facts of Christmas, rhymed in carols, recited by, cho- by children in church plays, illustrated on cards, have become so familiar to us that it's easy to miss the message behind the facts. After reading the birth stories once more, I asked myself, if Jesus came to reveal God to us, then what do I learn about God that first Christmas? And here's some of the things that he talked about. One of the first words that came to his mind was that Jesus was humble. And Paul refers to that in Philippians, writing that Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a certain servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. He humbled himself. One of my favorite songs is Here I Am to Worship. Light of the world, you step down into darkness. Open my eyes, made me see the eternal Son of God, the King of all kings, the Lord of all lords, left the splendor and the glory of heaven. The Logos became flesh, God incarnate. Humbly you came to the earth you created. The light of the world stepped down into darkness. And what a great opportunity that we have to be able to share that light with others. Because he's, he is, he's come into the world. And he's humble and he's accessible. He's humble and he's accessible. And I want to finish this morning with a, with a bit of an illustration. 
It was uh, 1994, there were two Americans, and they answered an invitation to, uh, from a Russian Department of Education. They were there to teach morals and ethics based on biblical principles, and they were to be there in, in the public schools. So they were invited to teach there, uh, in prisons, businesses, so on and so forth. And uh, it was getting close to the holiday season, and they came to an orphanage. And in that orphanage, it was the very first time that these orphan children got to hear the story of the traditional story of Christmas, the one that we were looking at this morning. And so they told them about Mary, and they told them about Joseph, and they told them about them arriving in Bethlehem, finding no room in the inn, and how Jesus was born, placed in the major, and all those things. And throughout the story, one of the Americans said this. He said that they sat in amazement as these children were listening. And some of them were so intrigued. They were sitting on the edge of their stools. They were just waiting for every word, the next word to come from, from, their, from their mouths. And then they were, after they, they shared the story, uh, each child was given some material, a small paper square, and they were to uh, take the, uh, some of these materials, you know, craft materials, and they were to um, construct a manger and straw and all that sort of stuff. And so they took the small squares of flannel, and they used it for the baby's blanket, and they took some pieces from a, a doll, like, and so they, they put these things together. They made, made sort of like a little, a little baby. And as they made their way around the room, and they were looking at what all the, the kids were, were making with, the, with their craft, they said it all went really well until they came to one little, one little child. And the child's name was Misha. They said Misha was probably about six years old. Project was all finished. And one of the Americans said, as he looked at the boys, little boy's manger, he noticed that there wasn't just one baby in the manger. Notice that there was two babies in the manger. Two babies. And so they went on to note that Misha very accurately recalled the story that they told him. He was able to tell the whole story about how Joseph and Mary came to Bethlehem, etc., etc., and then how Mary placed Jesus in the manger. And then they said he started to ad-lib to the story. A little bit of improv. And he made up his own ending. And here was the ending. And then Maria laid the baby in the manger, and Jesus looked at me. And asked me if I had a place to stay. And I told him, I have no mama and I have no papa. And so I don't have a place to stay. And then Jesus told me I could stay with him. But I told him I couldn't because I didn't have a gift to bring him like everybody else did. But I wanted to stay with Jesus so much. And so I thought about that maybe I, what I could use for a gift. I thought that if I kept him warm, that would be a good gift. That would be a good gift. And so I asked Jesus, Jesus, if I keep you warm, will that be a good enough gift? And Jesus told me, if you keep me warm, that would be the best gift that anyone has ever given me. And so I got in the manger... And then Jesus looked at me and told me that I could stay with him for always. And little Misha finished his story. His eyes were brimming with tears. And he put a hand over his face. His head dropped 
to the table, his shoulders began to, 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 to drop and he began to sob and sob because there was a little orphan who had found someone who would never abandon him, who would never abuse him, someone who would be with him for always, for always. Why do I share that story this morning? Because as wonderful as it is for most of us here today to have already made that decision, that Jesus is not going to be put into the guest room. But Jesus is going to be in my manger. There are those right now, like little Misha, like little Misha, who are feeling abandoned, abused, alone. And they are looking. They're looking for hope in the darkness of their lives. And can I just challenge us this morning for those of us who have made room, who have made room. There are those who have not made yet room for Jesus. They've not made room for him yet. But maybe they would make room for Jesus if someone like those two Americans who visited that orphanage, because can I tell you this morning, folks, that the world out there is an orphanage. There's a world out there that is an orphanage, a world that does not know their heavenly Father. They do not know the reason for why they have been made. They do not know the reason why they are on planet Earth. But we know that we have a heavenly Father and that because of our relationship with Jesus, because we kept Jesus out of the guest room, brought him into our manger, we can say, we can, we can, we can receive what Paul has written where we know that we have been chosen and we have been adopted. We are in the family of God. But can I remind us this morning that there is the world is an orphanage. They don't know their Heavenly Father. They don't know that there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. They don't know the, heritage, the inheritance that their Father has waiting for them. And can I encourage us this morning... That as we are, continue on in this time of the year, this, this Christmas season, that we be like those two Americans who told the story, who shared Christ. As we stand this morning, and I'm going to call the worship team to, to come back. Making room. How many this morning would say, I've already made room for Jesus? in my life I've already made room for Jesus in my who would who would who would, uh, who would lift their hand this morning and say I've already made room for Jesus in my life how many here would say and you guys whatever you feel led to, to play by the spirit just whatever you feel led to play I don't have anything on my on, on offhand right now how many would lift your hand and say I've got friends I've got family members, 
Maybe I have coworkers, fellow students, but there's people that I know. Despite the fact that God has made room for them, they've not made room for Jesus. Who would lift your hand and say, I know people like that. I know people like that. Can I just challenge us this morning that we could take a piece of paper maybe and we could write down some of those names. Maybe you've already been doing that. Who, who here, that, that's, a, that's a practice that you've made. You, you write down some names and you, you pray over them. And you pray and you ask, Lord, that God, that you would send your spirit to speak to their hearts. That you would soften their hearts towards you. That their hearts wouldn't be callous towards you. And that somehow, I've sometimes done this, somehow, some way, Lord, somehow, some way, send someone to them that can lead them to faith in Jesus. And you know what I've noticed sometimes God will do? Is that God will might even just put his finger on us and say, you know them, you know their need, I'm sending you. This morning, I believe that the church is a team of evangelists. And what if, what if everyone won one? What if everyone won one? What if it was repeated? and repeated and repeated what if I challenge myself that I'm thankful right now for those who are emboldened to pray for strangers stopping them hey do you have any pain in your body can I pray for you I want you to know that's a way that we bring the light of Jesus into their life there's some of you here who spot needs, practical needs, and you attend to those needs, and some people don't even know that you're attending to those needs. They don't need to know that. God knows that. It's a way you're bringing the light of Jesus into their life. You're opening up their hearts so that they can make room for Him. But what if everyone won one? What if? What if? I don't know about you, but I think that some of the empty chairs here would might be uh, occupied. Wouldn't you? Would you agree with that? It's a possibility that some of the empty chairs. It might even be a possibility that we might have to get a few chairs over on this side, and and maybe even over on this side. Do you think that might be a good problem to have? That we might need to bring out some of the chairs out of the out of the spare room that we have. Just as. God has made room for us, folks. Can, can we also be a church that, like Jesus, who sought after the sinner, that we want to be a, a church that's welcoming and accommodating, and bring people in to know him and to grow in their faith and knowledge of him. Father, this morning we come to you, Lord, just as you came to us. You came to us humbly. You came to us, Lord, offering us hope. You came to us, Lord, and your desire was not to be in the inn, not to be just in the guest room as a visitor, but, Lord, your intention was to be born 
and, and the, at the very center of our lives. And Lord Jesus, we come asking God that you would begin to stir our hearts and you begin to give us a, a burden again. Oh, Lord, give us a burden. Give us a burden, oh God, that causes us, because I think, Lord, of how you stepped out of glory and you stepped in and you were placed in a lowly manger. And Father, it was you, you sent your son into a world where there was darkness, where there was hopelessness, where there was, it was full of sin and despair. And so, God, I pray that you would give us such a burden for the lost, that God, that it would, we would, too, be willing to step out of our comforts and into the lives of people who are in need. Could, could we just do something this morning that's totally different? Totally different. Could we just turn this sanctuary into a place of intercession for a few moments? Could we just begin to look to the throne room of God and just ask the Lord and bring names to Him? Could we just begin to pray? Could we do that? I know we prayed earlier this morning, but could we just lift up names, people? Could we do that this morning? Could we just turn this into just a few moments into a place where we bring the names and we bring souls to Jesus and that we would begin to ask the Holy Spirit to, to stir up and to, to give us the boldness and the courage and the burden one more time that we would have a, a, an aching for lost people just like Jesus had. Father, we come and we lift up brothers. We lift up brothers. We lift up sisters. In Jesus' name, we lift up family members. God, I, I think of my brothers. I think of Troy and Sean. I think of Kim. I think of Becky, and Trina, and Sarah, your kids. People in my family, Lord. Can we just do that? Can we just lift up names? Can we just begin to pray, just cry, just for a few moments? Can we do that? I just begin to ask God, God, you've made room for them. We've made room for you. I just pray that, God, that you would help us to find, help us to lead them to the babe in the manger. Father, we lift up those. We lift up the mayor. We lift up RCMP firefighters. We lift up those who are teachers in our schools. We lift up this town, God. And we bring these souls, Lord, between five and 6,000 souls in this town. And many of them, God, they don't know you. They haven't made room for you. And Lord, we are your church. We are the called out ones. Many of us have already, most of us have already have said, yes, Jesus, I, I want to know you. I want to, to, to grow in my faith. I want to know you deeper. I want to have an intimacy with God. And, and I, I want to know who I am, my identity in, in Christ and grow in that. But there's so many that don't know that. They don't know the promises of God. They don't know there's a great inheritance in store for them. They don't know what it is to be in the kingdom of God. They don't know that. And so, Jesus, we lift them up to you today. We lift them to you and we ask, God, that your spirit, your spirit, Lord, would, would tenderize their hearts. 
Lord, you begin to plow up the fallow ground. That God, that you bring, you, you would just take the callousness off of them. You take the blinders off of their eyes. The scales would just drop from their eyes like they did the Apostle Paul. And that God, that you would use us. You would use us. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Because, Lord, we sang about how great the Father's love is for us, but, God, it's not just for us, it's for the world. Hallelujah. Jesus, the freedom that you bring. The freedom that you bring. Thank you, Lord, for your love and your grace. Your love and your grace this morning. Could we sing that song, Amazing Grace? I know we had it a little earlier. Amazing Grace. Amazing grace. There's people that need the grace of God. Hallelujah. Grace. Praise you, Jesus. Amazing grace, amazing grace. Amazing grace, amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. sing when we were there 10,000 years. And when 
Father, we just pray this morning that you would help us, oh God, to take the light and the life and the hope, the joy, the peace, the comfort that we have in you. And that, Father, we will be able to share that with someone this Christmas season. And that, Lord, there will be others, God, who will not be distracted by the gifts and the shopping, by the turkey, by all the hustle and bustle, but, Lord, that they will actually come to know, not just mentally, but they will know that they know that they know what Christmas really is about. That it truly is Jesus is the reason for the season that we celebrate. So Father, I pray that you will use this team of evangelists because we have made room, because you've made room for us, that we will help others to make room for Jesus in their manger this year. I'm going to ask Carol Rudick this morning if she would close our service with a word of prayer.